Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Welcome back to the Brain Care Podcast. On today's show, we have Rahaf Harfouche once again. And today we are going to be discussing the productivity propaganda paradox, the three Ps that we basically invented together whilst deciding what to call this episode. So on that note, Rahaf, I won't make you introduce yourself again. Why don't we sort of start off at the top? Like, why do you and I want to discuss this? What is this productivity propaganda paradox? The productivity paradox is really about how some of these deep held belief systems that we have about work and success are communicated to us either through newspaper articles, magazine articles, or more frequently, the form that most people absorb them through is social media. You know, that quote on a picture of a waterfall that says like, you know, hustle hardest or something. Because the problem is, is that it's been a lot of productivity and toxic overwork is being sort of reframed in the narrative of like spirituality, of self-help, of self-love. And so you have all of these messages that on the surface sound kind of nice and sound sort of motivational. And then you start to deconstruct them and you're like, oh no, this is actually like really terrible advice that nobody should be taking. So we wanted to get into that because I think people should learn to spot it so that they can reduce the impact of harm on themselves. In the last episode, we're talking a lot about the belief systems that people have, right? These inherent belief systems that are drilled into us. The most famous one is this American dream. Mm -hmm. So the idea of if you just work hard enough. But there's also this awesome section in your book where you talk about pseudo-spirituality, which, you know, certainly is something that I enjoy manifesting. I talk about this a lot with people as well, because, you know, whether you use woo-woo language like manifestation, like I do, or you are a businessman and you're serious and you have to create a business plan and therefore you have to create a vision of where you're going to go and that's your manifestation just in numbers. There's all these different ways of of thinking through how to imagine the life you want to have and then trying to achieve it. But as you sort of break down quite well in that chapter, there is this almost again, paradoxical nature behind the intentionality behind those words. And it's sort of taken the world by storm and sort of replaced one belief system for a lot of people with another, and neither are particularly healthy. So I'd love to unpack that a little bit. Just for the record, I believe that as human beings, we can hold dualities and complexities. And, and you know, you can be very much for spirituality and very much for science and that they can actually coexist quite peacefully. What I will say is that the problem isn't necessarily the fact that you you believe, say, in manifestation that you can go out and create the life that you love. It's that sometimes some of these beliefs get distorted and then they they kind of double back on you and they fill you with shame. So for example, if you believe if I work really hard, I will be successful. If for whatever reason you're not successful in your life, your first instinct for many people to say, this is my fault. I didn't want it enough. I didn't work hard enough. I didn't hustle long enough. But if you take a step back, hard work, even from a manifestation perspective, is only part of the equation. Like we also have a lot of things like the birth lottery and the country you were born in and the family you were born to and your access to education and healthcare and all of these other things that also influence your success. So is hard work important? 
Absolutely. Is it the one thing that's going to determine your success? No, there are a lot of other factors at play. The affirmations and the vision board and the manifestation techniques, those are incredibly powerful visualization tools that are a key part of the goal setting process. But what you don't want to say is if it doesn't come true, it's because I suck. It's because I fail, you know, and that's where it gets really problematic because you have people then internalizing self-blame and guilt when in reality, maybe it's because an entire generation graduated and the midst of one of the worst financial crisis in history and that completely destabilized the job market and limited their lifetime earning potential. Like maybe the rise of technology and the exportation of labor to other markets limited the opportunities that people have. Like maybe it's not because you didn't want it badly enough. Maybe there are other factors at play. And that's it. I just want to give people a break because often these types of pseudo-spiritual systems put the burden on the person instead of on some of the systemic issues that also need to be addressed. The productivity paradox is very simply that in order to be more productive, you have to actually work less. And that's what a lot of people have a lot of difficulty because we are very much in a quantity versus quality output. We think 16 hours are are better than eight hours. But we also believe wrongly that 16 hours will give us double the output of an eight-hour day. And as anyone who has ever worked long hours knows, hour 10, 11, 12, like that's not your A game. That's not your best work. And that it takes you long to recover. So the productivity paradox is that we've become so obsessed with systems that measure continuous output that say keep going, work hard, work, go long. But in reality, if you want to do more, you actually have to work less. And that becomes very difficult for people if they associate feelings like guilt and shame and a lack of deservingness if they don't work. Like even on the weekends, how many times have you said to yourself, oh, I feel really guilty because I've had a very unproductive Saturday. What the hell's a productive Saturday? Like, why does it have to be productive? Why does everything have to be productive? And very, very quickly, it's only been in the last couple of decades that productivity as a term moved from being a word that we used in industrial settings to a word that we use to describe a personal and positive characteristic. Productivity has become an aspirational thing. If you're productive, you're a good person. That's a good trait. And that is really, we start getting into it. So everybody is trying to figure out how to be more productive with tools and apps and tricks. And here's a framework and here's an acronym and get up at 5 a.m. and Miracle Morning and all of this. But in reality, the thing that's stopping you from being creative and from being productive is your own deeply held beliefs that tell you that any time that you're not doing something is a waste of time. When really you should reframe and say intentional recovery is a key part of high performance. You need to link those two things together so that you know that if you're pursuing high performance, you need downtime. Otherwise, you're just not going to produce the work that you are capable of. Where do these ideas come from and why do you think they've taken hold so strongly? Ooh, where do these ideas come from? These ideas have emerged from all over the place, from the Puritan work ethic. They've emerged from the uh, in the 1950s when companies started trying to figure out ways to measure creative work and then started getting into systems that didn't really make sense from the get-go. And then it really started because at some point we started associating working hard with our own identity and our own self-worth, which is why you ask people, you know, when you meet them at a party, you know, what do you do? Why our jobs and our LinkedIn titles 
our, our badges of, of honor that we kind of hold up. And so that's really the fundamental problem is that we have started to internalize that our only worth as a human being is linked to our productive output. And that's the result of being in a capitalistic society, right? Your worth is determined by your contribution to GDP. However, just want to remind everybody and anybody who needs to hear it in terms of self-care that you as a human being are worthy just as you are without your to-do list. And even if you stopped working and even if you uh, don't finish your to-do list, like you are still worthy. And if you don't agree with me, think about how our society looks at people who are unemployed. Think about what our, how our society looks at who's considered lazy and who's not. And you start to tell me who we value and what's important. And then look at the New York Times, look at the media, look at these articles that we publish where we glorify billionaire CEOs that get up at 4 a.m. in the morning and that devote their entire life to their job. And instead of saying, okay, well, cool, but that's not necessarily attainable or realistic, we say you should be like them. You should be like Elon Musk. You should be pulling 120 hours a week too. Yeah, and I think the interesting flip side to this is, you know, Eckhart Tolle has a, a great bit on this, which is he says, you know, when anyone asks, like, who are you? You just say, I am me. It's the only true answer. <laughs> but, you know, I've tried it and people think I'm yeah. a whack job. So, you know, it doesn't really work. <laughs> okay. It's not about going in and saying, I am me and alienating people. I guess it's just, it's it's checking in with yourself and when you meet somebody new, trying to find out things about them that aren't related to their job, right? Like just try, and this has been a personal game for me where I really try to, instead of asking people what they do to, what are they interested in? What do they like? What are they passionate about? What are their hobbies? What, just to try to create a form of a human being that's not always linked to a professional vocation. Mm. At Burning Man, which is like a horrible thing to drop into a podcast, but you know, it's just... Like one of the rules, you don't ask people what they do. So no one asks you what you do. And you spend like a whole week meeting people and really deeply connecting with them. And you come back from a camp where you've spent like a whole week making loads of friends, et cetera, et cetera, have literally not got a clue what any of them do. And it's so surprising when you come back and, oh my God, that person does that thing. Like whatever, it's, it's so nice because you've built a really deep connection with someone completely irrespective of what the two of you do because it's so completely irrelevant in that scenario. It's the only place that I know, you know, you have to go somewhere specific where these are the terms of engagement, these are the rules. You don't ask people what you do. You don't engage in any of that kind of nonsense. Out here in the real world, it might be a bit odd, but it's amazing how that shifts the kind of bond that you make. And I mean, we talk about nuances a lot and it's like, this is where I want to be clear. I'm not saying you shouldn't identify with your profession, that you shouldn't be proud of it, that you shouldn't be happy to share it. All I'm saying is that it's not the totality of your worth as a human being. That's all. Because I know people will be like, but I like what I do. And it's totally fine to like what you do. And it's totally fine to work really hard. And it's totally fine to do all of those things. As long as the, as the driver beneath it is actually in your best interest, not wearing you down because of shame and fear. Yeah, I think that's really fair. Regardless, you know, if, if we're following the right approach that you're suggesting here, you know, you should only be spending the eight hours working, which would be a third of your identity. So you've got to come up with something nice and snappy for the other two thirds. I'm an entrepreneur. I sleep and I'm a cat dad. 
I mean, I, I don't agree with you. Like I actually think people are so much more interesting than we give them credit for. And oftentimes if you just spend the time to get to know them, you find their job is the least interesting things about them. But even the eight hours, like there are now experiments that are being done in New Zealand. Uh, they're being done in different countries where they are experimenting with a four day work week. Like remember the eight hour work day was also just a part of the labor movement and negotiation during the industrial era. Science is actually telling us that our brains for highly cognitive tasks flattens out, like maxes out at like six hours a day. Who said eight hours? And is that system in service to all of the people that are expected to carry these businesses and to, you know, to pursue the, the vision and to keep building new opportunities and new products and service? In spirit of your book, summary of big mm-hmm. ideas. Share a summary of big ideas for people that want to understand, uh, you know, how to break free from the paradox. The first step is just to understand that these are messages that are being sent to you. When you're on Instagram and you're scrolling and you see a quote or you see an influencer or somebody that's telling you about how they work or somebody who's glorifying hustle harder, hustle culture, your first step is just to take a bit of a distance and just be like, okay, like I don't need to absorb this. And on my Instagram, actually, I go through a lot of examples often of what I see in the wild and I anonymize it. And then I just break down why this is not helpful for people. Like, for example, I saw one the other day that was just like, I know you're tired, but keep going. Keep going because your competition isn't stopping. And it's like, if you're tired, just take a rest. A rest is not a failure. Like it's this type of stuff where you think to yourself, oh, if you're tired, keep going. That's motivational, but it's not actually motivational. It's not helpful. So just recognizing that these messages that are being sent to you are tapping into these ideals and these narratives and these mythologies um, about work, about success that you don't have to just accept. You don't have to let them in and really ask yourself, does this make me feel good? Or does this make me feel like I'm not doing enough? And if the answer is, if this is making me feel like I'm not doing enough, then just block, mute, unfollow, and follow other people that are actually encouraging you to rest. If you're a high performer, if you're evidence-based, if you like reading the research, you should know that you cannot work your brain nonstop, period. Love it. Rahaf, where can people find you on social media, seeing as you've given such an enticing account of what people can, can enjoy? You can find me, I'm Rahaf Harfush on Twitter and I'm Fushi on Instagram. And I have a whole series on my stories of productivity propaganda, just examples so that you can just see what it looks like. Because if you see something, say something. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from one to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next week.